Welcome to the XX Mormon podcast. Um, before we get started with our topic today, uh, Elder Jackson, I have to ask you a semi-personal question. Mm-hmm. Are you planning on actually resigning or have you already resigned? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm planning to resign. Mostly out of like a convenience thing. What's the convenience? I don't want people knocking on my door when uh, I'm for the rest of your life. Yeah, like I'm already friends gotcha. with a bunch of Mormon folks, so yeah, I just feel like people knocking on my door and pretending to be there for me. I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't need that. I have a lot of people who look out for me. Like I don't need that safety net. I feel like right. Okay, so. Pretty much, like, was that the only factor you considered in terms of deciding to resign? Because I know this is a common question that comes up for ex-Mormons. Should I resign or should I stay in? And so I know you, I knew you had thoughts about it. I couldn't remember if you actually had, but you are planning to resign. Yeah. It's mainly for convenience. Were there any other things you considered before you made up that decision? Um, Maybe housekeeping. Like, I'm one of those people who likes to go through and make sure, you know, I delete accounts that I don't need. I, you know, I just like to keep things tidy and I like to know where everything I have is and keep things minimal. And so I guess that's a factor, but I, I think if, if I didn't know that, you know, it would follow me and that someday I could be living in another country and they would knock on my door. Still find you. Yeah. Yeah. That I kind of was just like, I, yeah, it, that was the the big thing for me. And I guess another one is that it just kind of tells my family, like, you know, it's, it's this is over, real. you know, like yeah. I've made my decision instead of them sitting and hoping that I'm going to show up one day and come back. It's just okay. kind of like a, I'm gone, you know, like I, I canceled my membership. Right. So have you, uh, like, have you told anybody in your family that that's what you're going to do? Yeah, my whole family knows. I, I talked to them all about okay. it. Yeah. So what's the, what's the holdup? Uh, I'm still <laughs> registered at BYU-Idaho. Okay, okay. I'm finishing, like, a couple online classes. Gotcha. Right, yeah. right. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as, as soon as I'm done there, I'm going to visit my bishop and say, Oh yeah, it's not really COVID that's been keeping me from coming to church. <laughs> I don't even think my records are in my new ward. I think they're still in my old one. In Idaho. In Idaho. Yeah. Um interesting. I have seen people on the subreddit say that they stay in the church so that they have access to ancestry.com for free. Yeah, and that and does just, kind of interest me too. I do oh, okay. really enjoy family history, so uh, yeah, I'm a little bit on that, but that surprises me because family history was always the thing that I just could not care less about. I hate the indexing yeah, and I hate, you know, like I don't like the tedium and yeah. I don't like the, we're going to take names to the temple thing. Right. Yeah. I uh, think that goes without saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm going to go. It's so looking back on it. It's like this weird playing pretend thing, but yeah. I I don't like those things, but I really love the stories. And right. so I I feel like the ancestry thing isn't a huge thing for me because I can talk to my ancestors or like some of them, mm-hmm. you know, any relatives that are still alive and ask them yeah. questions, get their stories. 
and I have been, I have tons of recordings of right. them. And so I, you know, I, I don't think that's a huge issue, but I can see how it would be for some people for sure. I just hated hearing about it. It was boring. It was tedious. It was just uninteresting. Um, the scripture that they always use from Malachi to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children's to the fathers. I never got everybody read that and be like, and isn't that so amazing? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think that's talking about family history. I'm just not seeing you guys connecting the dots here. And like Joseph Smith hadn't come up with eternal families when he kept quoting that. So like, why? I don't think this means what you think it means. And this is a weak connection and everybody's going crazy over it. So even like the doctrinal foundation of it, I was just like, this is all stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I it was don't always really stupid in my brain. I just see, I'm a stories guy. Like I right. like hearing the story, hearing the experience, you know, getting gossip about dead people is really yeah. interesting to me, Yeah, you know? And, and so that aspect of it is, is a personal fascination of mine. Right. I get, uh, yes. Stories from my grandparents. Good. Um, the church talking about it, not so good. <laughs> it, it gets yeah. annoying, especially yeah. when you're sitting there. And given how many people don't actually believe, but like go to church every Sunday and stuff. Yeah. I, you know, you sit there and you think, yeah, we're going to go, you know, for a little swim and pretend yeah. like we're baptizing you for your ancestors. Right. And then you're going to go and watch this temple video and pretend that you're Jorge something, something Hernandez. <laughs> And it's just this, you know, I don't know, that aspect of it, the way that the church goes with it is meh. But I how think, many closet unbelievers do you think there are? Uh, what percentage? Do you think it's 30% of Mormons are closeted unbelievers? We're mm, just waiting for their spouse to stop going so they can stop going? That's tough. Like, I, I really can't say. I know a lot of people who do go along with it and a lot mm -hmm. of people who maybe don't take things as literally as yeah. others. Um, yeah, I, I don't even have enough information on, on folks to, to make a good guess. And you got to remember, I came from YSA too. So I, you know, there's not the couple dynamic. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. I'm going to guess that like just based on actual participation in any given elders quorum. So by that, I mean, like, let's say you have an elders quorum of 30 people. How many people are reliably drinking the Kool-Aid and actually show up to activities and stuff like that. And you've got, they talk joke about the same 10 people club, the STP. Mm -hmm. So I'd say in any given ward, there's only 10 people in the elders quorum who actually believe it enough to do it. And everybody else if you're not in the STP, you would go inactive or will go inactive as soon as there is any kind of major conflict between your life and the church. Yeah. You're, done. Well, you're waiting for it. But I, I, I think you're talking about people who are actively participating, right? They're who, like minimally actively participating. Right. right? But I, I never believed, right? Yeah. But I was there participating the whole time. I went to so every So you were even activity. in the STP. I was in the STP, right? I yeah. was in ward councils. I was setting up for FHE. I'd show up early for things right. and stay late. And like I was, I was there, right? And for me, it was yeah. largely like a social thing, right? Yeah. And so I don't even think that's a good measurement because then 
I did that, but I wasn't on board. And then I, I even baptized a guy while I was, you know, Pimo. And You're, that's actually horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, are, is that something that's on your second shelf? Uh, that might be on my on my second <laughs> like shelf. Like that's where your I anger do, phase is coming from. I do think about that. I, yeah, you know, I I am like, uh, you know, um, but at yeah, is he it, happily in the church? He is. He's a really good guy. He works hard. I think it has given him like a good community. He was an immigrant right. too. You know, like oh, okay. there are multiple Just, things that I think about yeah. that I'm like, oh. yeah, I and I. I also didn't push him to do it, right? Yeah, right like right. I, I wasn't showing up. I I went to a couple mm-hmm. lessons, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that <laughs> that is a big <laughs> thing that I'm like, well, should I? Um, yeah, I'm a. <laughs> I was a. That's okay because I went on my mission, and honestly, every time I talk to people, I'd be like, I don't know if this is really going to help anybody. Right. I probably had that in the back of my mind every time I talked to someone. Yeah. And that's why I didn't go on a mission because I wasn't yeah. interested in showing up at your door. If you came yeah. and asked me about it, I'd tell you about it. It was something that made me happy, right? Yeah. It's something, it's a lifestyle that made me happy. Uh, my family was doing it, right? It was the, yeah. all the social aspects and stuff. And so I was like, if I wasn't opposed to people joining, but I certainly mm-hmm. wasn't going to go out and try and right. find them. So, but with the with the STP, then you get people who don't participate but do believe, right? I had friends who, quote-unquote, went off the deep end, right? Yeah. Who went drinking and smoking weed and, you know, did everything that our parents told us not to do. Yeah. But they would talk like, yeah, I really believe it. Like, they, when easily they could have been like, yeah, it's kind of bogus. You know, they were already doing the things we were told not to do. Mm-hmm. So I... I don't, I don't know, because I, I, I don't know if you can necessarily judge somebody's belief based on their participation. Okay, I just mean, like, if you had to speculate on, I guess, <laughs> so when my wife started going inactive before I went inactive, and then I slowly start falling out too, because it's just, like, it's really hard to have a mixed faith marriage as much as anybody would try and tell you, like, it's doable, it's tough. Mm-hmm. And... um I just start thinking, I was like, I wonder how many of these guys, just based on the little things they say or how much they show up to stuff, how many of them are just waiting for their wife to go inactive right? so that they don't have to show up anymore, right? Right. And I think, I think the number would surprise anybody if that actually happened. I think so. How yeah. many people would do the less active life? Like, there's a reason why missionaries are told to focus on part member families and stuff like that. Cause they're not at church and, and you got a chance of bringing the, the spouse in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I do I, think we would be surprised by how many people are just kind of hanging out. I mean, thinking yeah. to times in YSAs, I think, I think people my age, most people my age, if the church came out tomorrow and was like, Oh yeah, the book of Mormon's not a historical document. Yeah. I bet at least half of the YSAs now would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, makes sense. But they, they'd keep going. They'd keep yeah. going. They'd keep doing everything because that's their social club. Right. So I'd say, okay, so I'd say in a married family where like a big part of your social status is your marriage, right? Yeah. 
And so that's why I'd say if you lose your social status by your spouse becoming inactive, you're gone. So what's that like in YSA? If you become unmarriageable for whatever reason, if you are too old or whatever, if you hit one of those, if you get one of those black marks Mm -hmm. where generally women or the opposite sex would just write you off, I, I don't see a big chance of you sticking around. And then everybody would be like, they only had a social conversion. Right. They went inactive because they couldn't get married. I remember saying that about people. Yeah. Like guys who aged out of the YSA ward turned 32 and then left the church. I was like, yeah, they just couldn't get married. Yeah. They didn't, they weren't made of the right stuff. <laughs> right. But you just were couldn't good figure thing. it out. What? But you were. I was yeah. right. But then even then, like, yeah, I'm not going to church being the guy with the less active wife and the kids who barely show up. Yeah. I was like, I, that, I think that was part of it was you start to lose status. Even if like not explicitly, like within your own brain, you start losing status. I'm like, I can't, I'm not being the halfway guy who can't get his family under control to all bring them all to church. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like You're I can't using your priesthood. Right. Exactly. Like yeah. I can't be that failure of a Mormon here. Uh, you know, ultimately I stopped going because it was all made up, but I'd say one thing that pushed me out the door was the sense of losing status. Right. So. Right. Which is interesting. It is so interesting how, how much of an impact that has. Well, because people. the rest of the experience is so unrewarding, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go back and listen to like a baptismal talk or a sacrament meeting talk and everything about it. You'll be like, this is so terrible. <laughs> It's not I actually, I have to work myself into a spiritual delusion Yeah, to f- convince myself that I've gotten something out of this. That's what Spencer Kimball said, right? Was somebody asked him, what have you done in a boring sacrament meeting? He said, I don't know. I've never been in one because I'll just ponder on what the speaker's talking about and give myself my own talk on the subject to maintain my interest. And it's just like, like that is, you have to work yourself up to get anything out of the, imagine going to like a Ted conference and being like, all the speakers are so terrible. I had to just give myself a talk on quantum physics to stay entertained. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Church is boring. It is incredibly, incredibly boring. Maybe I should just keep going to the activities. They've got treats, food, nice people, you know? And then when they're like, Oh, you haven't been coming out to church. I'd be like, Oh yeah. Sunday's, I've got this podcast I got to record on Sundays. <laughs> and church is just so boring. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I'd probably tell them that too. I'd be like, yeah. church is really boring. Also, yeah. it's not true. But mainly it's boring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like that wasn't was the in- main thing for me. <laughs> if this was interesting and not true, I still might show up. But because this is so boring and not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's that combination. It's the combination of being boring and untrue. Yeah. Movie, not true. Lots of fun. Yeah. Watch them all the time. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I I was one of the hallway dwellers. I'd right. start, you know, hanging out in the hallway. Even even one of my last semesters at BYU Idaho, we <laughs> would we'd do church, we'd do sacrament meeting. And me and my roommates even and our FHE sisters, we would just leave. We would just walk out and we'd be walking by the classroom where we did elders quorum and they'd say oh are are you are you guys coming we're like oh no we're gonna go eat lunch and it was like fast sunday and we just like 
go home and cook lunch with our FHE sisters. <laughs> it's boring. Like, why would I go sit in a classroom with people <laughs> talking really about bad. nothing? You're a really bad guy. I, yeah, I was a really, that was really, really bad. bad guy. They made me a, a ward missionary. Oh, that, that is the ultimate, like, what do we do with this guy calling? I almost, I, well, at BYU-Idaho, though, they yeah. wanted a ward missionary in every single apartment. Previous semesters, I was right. always like a Sunday school teacher or elders quorum teacher. And mm-hmm. then uh, they they wanted a ward mission, missionary in every yeah. single apartment. Yeah. And so I should clarify, I think I said I was a ward mission leader. I was not the leader. I was just the You're missionary. The ward missionary. And I asked the bishopric member, because I almost said no to it, because this was when I, I had decided that after school I was leaving. Yeah. I almost said no to it. And I was like, this is such a nothing calling. If it was anything else, I would have said no. But because yeah. I knew you're in Rexburg, Idaho. Yeah. You're not doing anything, right? And so I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And I was like, uh, so what do, like, what do I do? And I literally laughed because he was like, just post nice things on social media. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, thanks. And I, I told yeah. him, I was like, I know it's just like, the thing you give people, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so like the in, welcoming committee. Interesting that you mentioned your time as a Sunday school or elders quorum teacher. Do you see a trend in people who leave the church and like their last calling is Sunday school or elders quorum teacher? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I uh, I have one friend who his last calling was the elders quorum president. Uh, okay. Who, who else do I know what their callings were? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's a trend. Maybe I'm just, I don't have my finger to the, the pulse of, of enough people, but. It was like in our, the word that I stopped going to, it was like youth Sunday school teacher gone. Youth Sunday school teacher gone. And I was a youth Sunday school teacher, and then I was gone. But it was almost like uh, watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where people keep getting bumped off. Yeah. And it was like Oompa Loompa. This guy's on Sunday school. <laughs> He's gone. It's a cursed <laughs> calling, apparently. It, it is like no, what nobody think, wants to teach the youth. <laughs> They're sending everyone inactive. Not just youth, like adult Sunday school. Yeah. The, what I think it is is that I think it's unknowingly. But the bishopric will identify people who are disinterested in the content at mm. church. Those people start to stand out. And it's like, well, if they're disinterested in the content, let's get them to teach. Because then they can control the content. And hopefully this will shepherd them back into the right way. Yeah. As they teach and testify of the truth, right? So I think there's this accidental thing where people who are losing interest in the church is like the last ditch effort. It's like, let's get them into Sunday school. And maybe if they teach and testify, they'll feel the spirit and get back to how they were 10 months ago. Maybe, and so I yeah. just think I can if see you, that. Yeah. There's just, there's something about the Sunday school teacher going inactive that I've just observed too much. I'd always try and like scrub out the churchy things out of the Sunday school lessons I gave. Yeah. I would give like a lesson that was basically like, so we've got this guy, Jesus, he's a philosopher and he like talks about being nice to people and loving each other. That was basically like 
the lessons I would try and give instead of being like, it's so that we can be with our families hereafter. I would just be like, let's talk about being a nice person. Like, like practical. Yeah. It was all yeah. like, I tried to keep my lessons practical. We would read the talk we were assigned, but I would focus on like, okay, so like, how can you be nicer to somebody? You know, what has yeah. your experience been with this? Instead of saying, brothers, you need to do this or, you know, yeah. so that you can lay up blessings in the hereafter. I'd never talk about any of that. That is a big sign of somebody leaving the church, I think, is um, while getting so nauseated with what is in the lessons, being like, I can't regurgitate this to people. I yeah. got to do my own thing. So somebody who's going off book and somebody who's staying away from the, the narrative, it's like, oh, this guy's basically, this guy's a PMO. Maybe that's, that's like why a, they released me as a primary teacher. They like saw yeah. that I was kind of PMO. I was like yeah. 18 and teaching primary. Right. Because it was like the pre-mission calling right, right? but yeah. then when i just stayed in primary for two years instead of leaving on a, on mission, a mission they yeah. released me and told me we want you to go to ysa and elders right. Forum. and yeah. uh but yeah in my in my primary lessons we would just like talk about being nice to people i wouldn't even read the lesson manual i'd just yeah. be like yeah how do you treat people nicely what do you do all the, just uh, practical stuff do you know, okay one last story, and then we'll get on to the actual topic of the day. <laughs> um, well, how long have we been going on this for, for right now? Uh, this is just about 22 minutes. So I, I say we just do this as an episode, and then we can yeah, do... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 So when, back when I was uh, pre-mission, they just sent you to the YSA ward. Oh, really? When you turned 18, they just sent you the YSA ward. I think if you wanted to, you could ask to stay at the family ward. But the default was to send you to YSA. Hmm. So I was at YSA right away. But then I remember when my brother came home from his mission, I guess they were starting to notice that there were so many people who were coming home from missions and then going inactive because they were what they said, they were getting lost in the YSA word. They go from being really, really important on their mission. They come home, they get put into a YSA word where they're one in a million or one of a million and they've got nothing to do. They just make award missionaries or hand out programs. They don't have any real callings. These people just disappeared. That was what they yep. thought it was. So we'll leave them in the, the family ward for six months and get them doing a real calling and really contributing. And I remember seeing that happen to my brother and it was while the whole issue with my state president, I think was starting to weigh on my shelf mm. and it was really seeing him come home and then being told where he had to go to church, even though he'd done, he'd completed the program and should be an adult who can make decisions for himself. They're still shepherding him. It really didn't sit right with me. And I was, got really, really angry about it. And I remember me and my dad getting into a fight about it. Like, this is absolutely now just, he's, he's 21 years old. He's 21 and you're making him do stuff still Yep. to try and make him make choices. Like this is regressive and insane. And I tell my brother, I'm like, are you actually going to do, you're going to accept this. And he's just, he shrugs his shoulder and he's like, whatever, man, I don't care. It's six months. I, I go to all the activities. I just go somewhere different on Sunday. And I was like, but like the concept of what they're doing to you, doesn't that make you angry? And he's <laughs> like, no, I don't care. I'm like, oh, and that was a hard, weird one for me to let go. But I'd say that was probably four years before I actually left the church, but it was like the seeds of apostasy were, were growing. Yeah. So. I remember because I, 
I lived in a different stake and yeah. then I moved to the YSA of the, the stake you grew up in that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And when I got there and heard about that, I'm like, that sucks. Yeah. Like I would not want to come home from a mission and then I'm stuck for six months going to church. Yeah. With, well, you just spent two like, years like following a religious rigid program, doing everything that they tell you. Now you got to come home and it's like, I'm finally free. No, you're not. Yeah. And I remember they were, they were rigid about it. It wasn't like a, Oh, we'd like you to do this. It was like, no, your records are not moving from your family ward. Yeah, Like they'd keep them there and you'd get in trouble if you didn't show up. (laughs) It was so, so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was always told that it was, they want the, the successful missionary to come into the family ward and show how wonderful a mission yeah. was and everything. Yeah. Even though half missionaries come home depressed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like they had an awful time. Well, Dina, I listened to a, this was a long time ago, listening to a podcast on the art of manliness. Did, have you ever listened to art of manliness? Yeah. Yeah. It was actually the first podcast I ever listened to. Me too. It's well, like a gateway drug. It is a gateway drug. Yeah. Um. So he was, he was interviewing a war veteran and he was talking about PTSD and what this guy was saying was when you had the second world war, so many people went on war, went to war. Then when they all came home, they had this shared experience together. And his idea was, was that because they all had this shared experience and so many people were veterans that they were able to talk and process things. Mm-hmm. And that's why you saw, because PTSD wasn't like a diagnosis back then, but he said you'd even see less cases of things that we would now call PTSD. So whatever they would call it back then, whether it was like mania or depression or anxiety or, or whatever, those other things associated with PTSD was less prevalent among World War II veterans or something like that. And he said part of it was, was that they all get to talk about it. And that made me think about why return missionaries all come home and talk about their missions all the time. They are processing the trauma. Huh. That's really interesting. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And- I remember when my sister came home from her mission, yeah. she wanted to move to Utah because that's where most of her companions and then right. friends were, right? Those yeah. were the people she went through this experience with them. She yeah. wanted to be near them. She yeah. wanted to, you know, have that relationship with these people who understood, who were what? there for what she yeah. went through. Yeah, exactly. So... I'd say there's a relation. That's why hmm. they're all like World War II vets and they all come home and they just want to talk about what happened. Yeah. And, it makes and sense. process trauma. I used to have a nightmare about being back on a mission, um, but I'd be going like at my current state in life. So I'd be like either leaving university or leaving my job or leaving my, my wife and kids to go on a mission. It would be a nightmare and I'd wake up and it was very, very vivid. And that is a. I definitely didn't have PTSD, but that is a symptom is nightmares, vivid nightmares of reliving experiences. And I put a poll on the ex-Mormon subreddit, just asking people how many people have dreams about their missions. And if you have a dream, would you call it a nice dream or nightmare? And it was either people didn't dream about it or they had nightmares. Hmm. Very few people had pleasant dreams about being on a mission again. I think I put it on the Mormon one, not the ex-Mormon one, because I wanted to try and get some some feedback from the other side. Right. Yeah. But it's a lot of people processing the trauma of leaving home and being isolated, I think. And that's why people have nightmares about being on a mission again. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not going was uh, the best decision I ever made. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I can uh, I can say there were some exp- there were some things I learned from being a missionary, but they were not things that it's not like I could have only learned those things as a missionary. Mm-hmm. I, you know, some lessons I relearned. And uh, so, yes, it was hard. Yes. I learned and grew from it, but at the same time um, I could have gotten those experiences other places. So am I thankful I went, I guess, but I recognize it's not, I could have been doing other things. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've been told by so many people, you know, Alex, you, you would have such a fun time. Sorry. Uh, what did you say? I've been told by so many people Who, who's been told. Oh, Oh, elder Jackson, elder yeah. Jackson, yeah, elder Jackson. You would have yeah. such a fun time. <laughs> it's a good thing. Alex is a common name. Um, <laughs> you would have such a fun time. Like you yeah. would, you would love it. And I'm thinking, yeah, except I would, you know, the way that I would love it is by treating it like a vacation. Like yeah. I would go away and just for fun. I would not be there to preach to anybody. Yeah. I'd be kicking yeah. it. Like I would just and that's what, be there to hang. Do you, that's what I regret is that I spent a lot of time in very beautiful parts of a foreign country and didn't actually see it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what I, that's what I look back on and regret. I think that depends on the mission too, because I know yeah. some mission presidents will let people do a little bit more sightseeing than others. I think, yeah, I just mean like a lot of time spent in the country, but I could have just been hiking right. and just doing stuff, right? Yeah. But, just yeah. having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Was not doing that. Yeah. So. Okay, so this was an episode that started talking about resignation and then just kind of went all over the place. But um, I think I'm good to wrap that up in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.